This is A Fresh Agenda. Conversations to connect your productivity and creativity and generate your deepest work. Here's your host, Christina Mendonza. This is A Fresh Agenda where we chat with innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. I'm Christina Mendonza. Welcome to this tiny spot in the podcast universe. Glad to have you here. This podcast is about having some deeper and more positive conversations on topics of creativity and motivation to explore how people create or build businesses or innovate in their industries. And this is episode number 71. And we're talking today to Dr. Suvrat Bhargave. He's a psychiatrist and the author of a book called A Moment of Insight, Universal Lessons Learned from a Psychiatrist's Couch. He practices in Atlanta, where he's also somewhat of a thought leader on change and reinvention and the the psychological barriers to achieving your goals or changing your life. Now, September, as it turns out, is National Self-Improvement Month. And while most people think of New Year's as a time for really setting their goals, September coincides with back to school, which honestly has always felt more like a month of new beginnings for me. It's when I launched my business, Mendonca Media, in 2017. It's when I started my current radio hosting job last year for iHeartMedia in Sacramento at KFPK. In fact, this time of year has coincided with several new goals and beginnings in my own life. And as my husband and I are about to be empty nesters, it's also a time of reevaluation for our own lives. We're kind of looking at each other and trying to map out where we'd like our lives to be in the next five to 10 years. And you know, you think of things like, should we sell the house and move? Should we stay and remodel? Should we relocate to a different city or a different state or even a different country? Now, what do we want to spend more time doing? What do we want less of in our lives? We're both working very hard with a few jobs each, work that interests us and still holds, you know, financial and psychological reward. But what do we want to create more space to do? It's a good time to think about that. What is your five-year plan for your life? What do you want more of? And how can you start making the changes needed to get there? Lots to think about. And so we're going to climb onto Dr. B's couch for the next half hour and lay it all out. But before we get to Dr. B, a few words about my sponsor, New Age Ariel. I recently did a project with them in downtown Sacramento, and I was so impressed. I needed aerial coverage for a big announcement, a huge news conference on a current construction project. And Dave and his team showed up early with two amazing drones, gave me tons of gorgeous shots of the construction, the city. They captured the big announcement perfectly. They took care of all of the licenses and the flight planning and notifications that are required. And they got me the video fast. Then Dave sent me some amazing time lapses that he's been doing lately, just gorgeous. So if you need pictures like still pictures or videos for your film, project, or real estate, HD, 4K, time lapse, whatever you need, Dave will exceed your expectations. So give him and his team a call at New Age Ariel, 916 645 3474. 916-645-3474 or newageariel.com. All right, now on to my guest, Dr. Suvrat Bhargave. He's a respected educator, speaker, board-certified psychiatrist who specializes in child and adolescent psychiatry, but he also sees many couples and single people in need of change in their own lives. And I love this from his website. I want to empower you to become the architect of your own life because when you have your insights, you live more. 
And as you'll hear in his voice, he's got a very warm way about him. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation with Dr. B. Joining me now is Dr. B from Atlanta. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Christina, for having me. I'm so glad to be here with you guys. Okay, excellent. Let's talk about September, Self-Improvement Month, and, and some of the things that we can all do is kind of maybe a, a half-year or a three-quarter year check-in on our New Year's resolutions. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, September is a really good time to make resolutions maybe even more than January 1st. Um, you know, when, when you talk about January 1st and New Year's, I think all of us sort of feel this crunch, this kind of pressure, right, uh, that everyone's making resolutions, we should make resolutions, um, people are all talking about resolutions, and sometimes the resolutions they're talking about aren't even the ones you want to make in your life. But um, September to me is kind of a fresh start, right? We're so used to those of us, especially who have parents, uh, our parents, we're used to thinking about the start of school for our kids. And all of us at some point in our childhoods were conditioned to thinking about September kind of as that fresh start. You know what I mean? I mean, new supplies and a new attitude and a new plan. Uh, so to me, September fits. I think it's a good time. And, and also, I hope that whatever we can do today to get that process going, it means that by the time the New Year rolls around, you've already seen results when everyone else is just starting to make their resolutions. So September to me is the perfect time to talk about resolutions. I agree with you. It always seemed like, you know, I know fall is we're getting toward the end of the year, but you're right. Back to school always seems like a fresh start. And, you know, it's difficult after the summer. Usually summer is so busy with the kind of, you know, odd schedules and everything. Finding the space to kind of, you know, think about future goals, things that you want to concentrate on for the fall for yourself. You know, what are you talking to your uh, your patients about about this time of year? Is this a time of a reflection and kind of resetting yourself for the rest of the year? I think it's a natural time to do exactly that. I mean, a lot of times people think of this kind of as a halfway point, even though we're kind of beyond the halfway point. Like you said, uh, summertime is kind of more about just letting go and vacations, and it's more unstructured. But to many people, this is kind of now you're nearing the finish line. People are kind of reflecting on, you know, what has worked, what hasn't worked, what they want to see done before the year ends. Um, so my my main thing to say to patients when they come in and they're talking about trying to make some improvements in their lives is I really want to encourage them in the very beginning to understand that it's a great thing to to make change, right? I mean, most of us, I think, realize that there's something in our lives that could be better. There's something we could be doing to contribute to our lives in a, in a healthier way. It's very appropriate and healthy for each of us to constantly want to evolve and grow. So when people come in and they're talking about, is this the time to make that change? I want to encourage them. This is the time. This is definitely a time. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the reason why it doesn't often work when people try to make change, there, there's probably at least three reasons why it doesn't work and why resolutions, you know, there's so many statistics that show us that, that resolutions fail. Uh, vast majority, maybe even more than 90% of resolutions um, fail. And, and I think that really comes down to three things. Um, and so I really try to give my patients the heads up on these three things. Most people um, fail either because they don't know where to begin, right? They're thinking about the big picture, all the things in their life that they want to change, all the different areas of their life that they want to, uh, to get into, so they don't know where to begin. Um, I think sometimes people, even when they decide that they want to begin with one aspect of their life, they don't know how to come up with a plan. Uh, so I think that's really important. And then a lot of times people start their plan and then they start to lose steam and they don't know how to keep the momentum going. They don't know how to kind of coach themselves 
through that time. So to me, those are the reasons why it doesn't work. And so if I can kind of spell that out in the very beginning uh, of this process, then we can we can avoid those things. Okay. You know, kind of moving on from September being Self-Improvement Month, I want to talk a little bit about your book because the, the title intrigues me, A Moment mm. of Insight. Um, mm. and talk to me about what propelled you to write this book? Obviously, you're hearing um, all of these, you know, different patients over the years talking to you about various things in their lives, professional and yeah. personal. Um, what what was what does a moment of insight mean to you? What will it mean to people who read the book? Gosh, thank you so much for asking that question. So as a psychiatrist, I think of it as really my privilege to get to sit with people in some of the lowest points in their lives, some of the most difficult times in their lives. And the, the credit I give my patients is they come in and they have the courage to be vulnerable. And when you're in the, the four walls of a psychiatrist's office, if you really want to make change happen, you kind of have to really get to it. You have to put aside all the things that on the outside we tell our friends and our neighbors that are going okay in our lives, and you really have to kind of get raw. And so in 20 years of having these really raw, real, vulnerable discussions, um, a few things came out of that experience. Number one, I realized that we're all basically struggling with the same doubts. We all have the same struggles, the same doubts. Um, and, and the flip side of that is we all want the same dreams and the same hopes. And the other thing that came out of being able to sit with people in the toughest of times is it turns out that the things that we do in order to turn that around and to get better um, are also the same oftentimes. So what I've done in the book is I've, I've shared uh, patient stories, which are created stories to represent many, many patients. And then, quite honestly, Christina, I put my own struggles in there as well as, as another story, um, really to make the point that, again, we are all more alike than we are different. We all go through difficult times. And, and yet there is a very definitive way to get past it. But all of that starts with a moment of insight. So a moment of insight is where you have a, a pause in your thinking, a, a, just a second where you see something differently in your life. Uh, and when you have that kind of shift in that moment, from that point on, you can make change happen. So one of the things as a psychiatrist that I can tell you is I experience and see moments of insight in my office all the time. And sometimes it's, it's in these really big kind of aha moment ways that, that Oprah likes to talk about. And sometimes it's more um, these kind of subtle shifts that I see. I can just see the expression on the patient's face in front of me, or they kind of sit up at a certain point, and they finally, for that second, they put emotion aside, and they saw something in their life, something about the way they're thinking or feeling or behaving that just now doesn't look right. And that moment of insight is where change begins. How difficult is it to get to that moment? And, and I ask this because, you know, in kind of our, our social media-soaked world uh, where we're all kind of in our filter bubbles and going through the motions on many days, I mean, how do you arrive to that moment of insight? What, what um, ingredients do you need to get there? So it's, it is different uh, for different people, but you are right. It, it is harder if in this world in particular right now with all the other distractions that we have and, and all the messages that seem to be coming at us from all these different directions um, to, to have a moment unless you have the intention and the awareness to have one. Um, I literally go through my day looking to see something differently, looking to have some clarity in my life. And what I can tell you from that standpoint is I have moments of insight every day. Uh, and sometimes it's something that came out my own mouth for someone else, but I kind of needed to stop and reflect on for myself. Um, sometimes it's as light as 
a song that got stuck in my head, and, and, and then I really started listening to the words of that song that are stuck in my head rather than just getting frustrated with having it there. And lo and behold, there's something there I need to be thinking about a little differently. So I do think that if you have the intention or the awareness to um, to see something in your life that is different, I think you can have those moments readily. But there are some people that don't have that moment until they really hit rock bottom. Um, I, I talk about where in the book I talk about the very first time I realized just how crucial a moment of insight was. It was when I was sitting with a patient of mine who was in a domestic abuse um, situation and and she'd come in and, and was describing to me sort of the latest episode of being, you know, kicked and, and pushed down and stepped on. And, and then she said something. Um, she said he, he spit on her. And he, she said that, and I immediately sort of recoiled, maybe like you even did or your listeners did, just hearing that. And, and what came out my mouth kind of spontaneously was I said to her, I said, gosh, that is such a, an issue of basic disrespect. And my saying that, she, she paused. I saw her expression change. I saw her head, head tilt. And then, Christina, she did something even more amazing. She, she just stood up and she said, yeah, I guess it really is. And she said, I got to go. And she walked out. And I didn't know what had just happened. So I called her the next day to check on her. And what she told me later on was that my saying that, my saying to her simply that this was a matter of basic disrespect, kind of threw out the way she had come to accept what was going on in her life. She had come to accept it as um, what she deserved. She came to, to think of it as an extension of her childhood abuse. She, she had the story that she'd been telling herself over and over and over again in her life, the way many of us do. But that one moment caused her to really see it differently, that it had nothing to do with the story. It had nothing to do with her mistakes and what she wasn't doing right. It was just a matter of no one should be treated that way. Wow. It was kind of like she saw it through your eyes. Yeah, exactly right. And, and, and that is another way of thinking about a moment of insight. You know, in, in our own heads, we're so charged, emotionally charged, and there's so much other chatter going on that it's almost like you are on the outside of yourself looking in and you see something very different. And, and when you do see it that way, it's almost like you can't unsee it anymore, if that makes sense. So in her case, that moment became where she realized that she needed to put her story aside, maybe even start questioning the story she's been telling herself, um, and really kind of see this differently. And, and then sure enough, she did. What do you suggest to your patients when they have a big change coming in their life? And I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. Maybe it's a personal change. Maybe they're going through a divorce. Uh, mm-hmm. Or maybe it's a professional change, uh, like they're thinking of retiring outside the country and leaving their job. Or they've got a big pivot uh, that's mm-hmm. coming up that they can see coming down the road for their careers. What are, what are some of the uh, techniques you give your patients to try to address those big changes in their lives? So, so on one hand, you know, big changes can surely signal wonderful things happening in our lives, even through the, the stage of figuring out the details and all so forth and so on. If you can remind yourself that on the other side of change, there's also the possibility of something really good happening. Um, I, I talk about in the book, in fact, the last chapter of the book is called Wielding Hope. At the end of the day, having sat with people in their worst of times, the only reason people kept coming back was because there was some hope. There was the hope and, and the potential for something good to be on the other, the other side of their change or their suffering. So keep in mind that on the other side, there is certainly a possibility for, for something to be better. But the other thing I like to remind people during the, those times of big changes, um, especially if you're prone to being what I would call an anxious temperament person, realize that the change itself is going to cause the anxiety to bubble up. 
and that that bubbling up feeling of anxiety is not intuition or premonition or or a gut feeling telling you that you're making the wrong decision in your life. Um, anxiety and intuition often feel very similar in the beginning. They both feel like this gut feeling telling you that you should, you know, react this way or that way. Um, but but intuition and, and anxiety or fear couldn't be more different. Um, anxiety is this overwhelming rush of emotion. Um, so if you're making a big change in your life and you're feeling all of these conflicting emotions, excitement and nervousness and, and, and confusion and all of that, just know that if you're experiencing doubt within all of that chaos, that's not intuition. Intuition is when you can put emotion aside and you just have this knowing. It's an unemotional knowing. It's where um, I believe intuition is almost like God whispering in your ear, if you will. But it's like the universe or, or fate or God telling you that this is what you need to be doing. And if you can put emotion aside and kind of sit in the silence of it for a second and you get that feeling or that nudge, follow it. Intuition will never steer you wrong. But in the midst of change, people tend to confuse um, anxiety and fear with intuition, and then they think they made the, the wrong mistake or that this isn't going to work out or that they're not equipped to do whatever it is that's about to come at them. Um, that is not intuition. Call out anxiety. That's anxiety. You mentioned that in your book there are so many ways in which we similarly struggle with things. What, if you look kind of maybe generationally, um, mm-hmm. what are young people struggling with when they come to see you? Is there a theme or, or something in particular that they seem to be struggling with more these days? I'm talking like adolescent to like young 20s. Yeah, so I, I'll tell you this, that I think that the theme itself is probably the same. How people are coming to that point is a little bit different now generationally. So ultimately, when I sit with people, no matter what brings them in, uh, whether it's a, a difficulty in their life or feelings of anxiety or depression or uh, they're going through a, you know, a divorce, whatever the situation is, when people come in to see me, they, they really are ultimately struggling with having some sense of who they are. Um, And that, to me, is the common thread for all of us, really trying to define who you are that isn't based on what's happening in your life right now, um, that isn't based on any one role that you're playing in your life, because, look, all that can change, and and life is going to have ups and downs, and and so people are looking to find a way to have some sense of, um, of consistency and something that's constant in the midst of so much chaos that's around us right now. So ultimately, I think the biggest question we all struggle with is, who am I? Um, you know, I, I can say I'm a father. I can say that to you, and I'm so proud to be a father. But when my kids grow up and they don't need me, then who am I? Um, I can say to you that I'm a psychiatrist, but if tomorrow I'm not able to practice, then, you know, who am I? So life is going to cause change to happen, and how do you figure out who you are in a way that is more constant, that doesn't come from external uh, means, is ultimately what people are struggling with. So to go back to your question, I would say that the um, – the group that I'm seeing the most right now struggling with that in a very different way are the millennials. Um, there's no, no doubt in my mind, and, and studies have shown this too, millennials are the ones who are coming in with the highest rates of anxiety disorders and depressive disorders, and so much of that stems from their sense of self being so up and down based on all these mixed messages around them. Um, so I, I hate to always pick on social media because there's some good aspects of that as well, but you know, as an example, if you are trying to figure out who you are, but you're getting bombarded 
on on your social media feed with what it means to be successful or or what it looks like uh, when 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 you're having a good point in your life or um, that this is what you should look, be going through. This is how you, how you should handle things. I just think that the millennials right now are struggling to figure out a sense of themselves that isn't constantly being challenged and rocked and judged. Um, so that age group to me is the one that comes in, and ultimately whether they know that that's what we're about to work on, um, they're the ones who, who kind of start digging into this idea of who am I. Interesting. How, um, as those of us who aren't millennials and older, how do we help the millennials in our life with that or help, you know, our, our growing kids um, with that? Well, I think one way we can do that is we, we can pass on uh, the wisdom of how we gain some sense of who we are uh, to our young people as well. But even as I say that, I have to turn around and say this. Some of us, have also gone around in our lives um, defining ourselves based on what we're doing, what's happening. Um, so I would say before we can go helping our, our young, younger generation, we have to make sure we know how we want to answer that question for ourselves. Um, in the book I talk about, there's, there's a lot of ways in which you can begin to understand who you are uh, internally, but I give this one exercise called the five gifts, and if you will, I'll tell you real quickly about Please. that. Um, I, and I relate it back to, again, I've shared some of my own stories and my own struggles in the book, but um, in this particular point in my life, I was 20 years old, and I realized that I was trying so hard to be what everyone wanted me to be. Um, I was one of these people pleasers, and um, you know, as long as my grades were good, then I was good, and as long as my parents were happy with me, I was good, or my friends said I was a good friend, then I was a good friend. Um, so all the sense of self was based on external stuff. And um, then suddenly... One of my big moments of insight where, and of all things, it started with a bad hair day. Um, I, I was having a bad hair day. It was raining that day, and I remember beating myself down the way so many people do in our heads. We're so self-critical. And I was saying to myself as I was getting on the bus to go from one class to another, I was saying to myself that everyone on this bus is thinking that you're looking really ugly. Mm-hmm. And even as I said that to myself, immediately uh, without much emotion, I answered myself back and I said, do you really think? Do you really think everyone on this bus is sitting here thinking you're looking really ugly? Is their day really based on your hair? And, and as I looked around the bus, as you can imagine, uh, no one even knew that I got on the bus, much less that I was having a bad hair day. And, and, and the initial reaction to that was such relief. It was, I was so grateful that that wasn't the case. But then the very next feeling I had was uh, pure despair and emptiness. Because I really thought that I was basing, you know, who I needed to be based on what other people thought of me. And now I don't even know what people think of me. Mm -hmm. Um, So it made me sit on that bench after I got off the bus and I just sat there and I thought, I don't even know who I am. And so the five gifts was my way of giving myself a place to begin. Um, It was a task that kind of popped into my head and I'm just so grateful for it. But I told myself that within 10 days I had to write down my five gifts. And that was based on a story that, that I talked about in the book about how my grandfather, when I was younger, had tried to get me to think about, you know, who are you, who am I, that kind of question. And I never really paid it much thought, but it came back to me on that day. And, and I realized that if nothing else, I could fall back on what he had told me, which was there is something good inside of all of us. And I needed to figure out what that was. And so this five gifts exercise was my way of kind of shifting gears a little bit. Rather than only seeing what I wasn't doing well, rather than just beating myself up, it was time for me to kind of know what did I bring to the table. Even on a good day or a bad day, 
what could I not deny of myself? When I was a student or when I was on summer break, I still couldn't deny this of myself. When I was surrounded by people or alone, these are the five traits that I just couldn't deny that I always, always, always had. And I describe how to do that exercise in the book, but I can tell you it changed my life um, because it gave me a way to test out who I am that was the same no matter what was going on in that moment. Wow. Um, and, and, and it changed my life. It did. That is amazing I, to me because I don't think there are some people who never, who never arrive there. I, I'm thinking of, you know, my own father who he had, there was a certain identity he had professionally. And when mm-hmm. he lost that, he died within two years um, from, you know, self-inflicted means, but, you know, he passed. And, and I think he never arrived at the fact that he was so much more than that one thing that he did. And I think, Ugh. I think a lot of, it was a lesson for me in my own life, not to invest so much of who I am in one thing that I am. Um, and I think it's a huge, huge lesson that so many people never learn. Yeah. And, and I appreciate your saying that. And I'll tell you, as a man, I think we, have traditionally kind of defined who we are based on, you know, kind of what we're doing in terms of providers and, and, and what we're doing for our families. And, and you just never know. You never know what life is going to do in terms of your circumstance. Uh, and, and women certainly do the same thing, right? I mean, we, we're, we're all guilty of at some point in our lives thinking that life is fine as long as the roles that I'm playing, I'm playing them well. And, and uh, you never know. Life happens. And, and so to have this sense of who you are that is constant, look, you can deal with life, you know, bring on life and let's do that. But if, if what happens in life is constantly moving you and rocking you, then that's a, that's a tough roller coaster to be on. So it's a really, really important thing to do to be able to define who you are. And, you know, now at the age of, well, 50 something, uh, if I were to go back and say to my 20 year old self, look, there will come a day where you, you will still have to deal with the struggles of life but you'll never again doubt your worth and value. I mean, my 20-year-old self wouldn't have even believed it. He would have thought my 50-year-old self. <laughs> uh, but but it, it did in that much of a profound way. And, and that's what I see with patients. Um, no matter what brings them in, you know, they think that if their circumstance gets better, that everything will be fine, or if they get on the right medicine or, you know, whatever. But it's a deeper, it's a deeper journey than that. And, and it begins with this profound question, who am I? Mm. Well, thank you so much, Dr. B. Tell us where we can connect with you, where we can find your book, uh, and if, if people want to reach out. Please. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, so the book is called A Moment of Insight, um, and then the tagline of it is Le- Universal Lessons Learned from the Psychiatrist's Couch. Uh, and A Moment of Insight is available on Amazon, along with everything else in the world probably. Uh, <laughs> it's on Kindle and paperback and, and hardback. Also, uh, it is on Audible as well, and it's in my own voice. Um, I tell you, there's something powerful in speaking your truth. So being in the studio recording my own uh, book was pretty amazing. But it is on Audible for people who'd rather listen to it than, than uh, read it. And then I'm, I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook uh, at A Moment of Insight. Um, and I would love for people, as you read the book, to please reach out to me over there. The whole point of that is to create a community where we can truly say we're more alike than we are different and to share our victories and our struggles. So a moment of insight on Facebook or on Instagram, it's Dr. B moment. Um, and, uh, and I'd be it. so grateful for people. Okay. Before I let you go, one thing I ask every, 
every guest. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell me, is there, what do you do when you feel like you need to create some space for yourself to get creative? You want to tap into your creativity and your own motivation. What, uh, what is your practice? What do you do? So anytime I'm about to embark on an endeavor, but especially creative endeavor, I feel like I really need to be in a, in a few moments of a mindful space. So I allow myself to sit there, and, I, and I, it's like giving yourself permission. I tell myself that nothing is going to change in these next five minutes that I have control over. So in these next five minutes, I am simply going to be sitting right here, and I'm only going to be thinking about what's happening right now in this moment. And then I, I have a two-word breathing technique where I always use the same two words, one word on the inhale, one word on the exhale, and that's just meant to kind of help me to be completely present and mindful for the, for the next few minutes. And I find that when I do that and I, I make the chatter of my active mind settle down, my creativity just kind of starts flowing. Um, so before I, I sit down to write or before I sit down to start seeing my patients, um, just a couple of minutes of breathing, the kind of breathing that changes your body posture along with that inhale word and that exhale word, it just does wonders. Um, and the two words can be, I mean, there's no magic mantra. The two words can be whatever you want it to be um, that help you to feel, you know, kind of in your space. And so I've got my two words, but, you know, you can use anything that makes you feel that way. So got this or peace out or love you. Um, not, oh, no, obviously that's not a good pairing, but, <laughs> but whatever two words you feel. Uh, and, and people who tell me that they've tried to do a deep breathing technique and it didn't work for them, I respectfully say you didn't do it right. Um, It's the best way to clear things up and to be creative. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much for your time. So appreciate it. Um, Thank you, Christina. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Suvrat Bhargave. Again, his book is A Moment of Insight, Universal Lessons Learned from a Psychiatrist's Couch. Please subscribe to A Fresh Agenda on SoundCloud for more great episodes. I'd love it if you left a comment, too. I'd so appreciate it. I've got conversations with supermodel Kathy Ireland, celebrity chef Tyler Florence, former Cosmo editor-in-chief Kate White. Uh, By the way, she'll be in Sacramento in November for a big women's conference, and those tickets are on sale now at harriscenter.net. And don't forget to check in each morning for the KFBK Morning News on News 93.1 FM. Sam Shane and I are there every weekday from 5 a.m. until 9 a.m. And we're doing deeper stories, more relevance, context, many more perspectives. You can also find that show daily on your iHeartRadio app. Just do a search for KFBK. Thanks so much again to my sponsors, New Age Aerial and New Age Designs. Reach out anytime. And thank you so much for listening. This has been A Fresh Agenda. Talk to you soon. Let's stay connected. Conversations to connect your productivity and creativity. This is A Fresh Agenda. (laughs) 